Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're going to have this ability to now reframe. Allow yourself time throughout the day to stress the fuck out. The thoughts and the feelings and the behavior cycle can start changing. My guest today is Erin Degagne. She is a pelvic health physiotherapist and also, more importantly, that a Libby loser. Hi, good morning. Hi, Gina. How are you? Good. So let's get right into it. Um, first of all, you've done the program. You're aware of what people are accomplishing. You know the conversations. A lot of conversations about drinking more water, having to go to the bathroom, a lot of conversations about bowel movements, diarrhea, constipation, all of it. And one of the things uh, that we've learned in our previous conversations with our experts, uh, Dr. Pfeiffer, for one, who came in and talked about water, was that this pelvic health conversation is something that is of real interest to our members. So in, why do you think pelvic this conversation on pelvic health goes hand in hand with weight loss or specifically so, this program? I think it's really important because a lot of people have underlying issues that they don't really know are there until they start really hydrating their body, right? So you might be you know, going to the washroom eight to 10 times a day, and you can kind of manage that, but you're really not drinking enough water. And then once you really start to give your body what it needs, you're drinking water, you're changing your diet, you're doing all the things that you should do. These, it can seem as though water is the actual problem. Like, oh, I can't drink this much water. This is a problem for me. And they just stop versus really dealing with the root issue of what's happening in there. And so, okay. yeah, go ahead. What is pelvic health then when we talk? So, and is it just women? Is it men? Like what, what is pelvic health and why do we care about it? Okay. So great. So what pelvic physiotherapy does is it looks at the muscles that are in and around your pelvis. So they attach from your pubic bone to your tailbone and then out to your sits bones on either side. And okay. these muscles work to do uh, a lot of things. So men have it, women have it as well. Um, and so they help with bladder and bowel function. They help to support your pelvic organs the way that they should be. Um, they help with sexual function and they act as a sump pump to kind of pump fluid out of your pelvis um, the way that it should. So that's not kind of stagnant in there. The reason we care about it is because that we don't know what's happening in these muscles unless you're having an assessment of what's going on. So um, I think that most people assume that these muscles are weak and we should be doing Kegels and really strengthening yeah. these muscles. But oftentimes there's a lot of tension there and there's no way to tell just from looking at someone if they have tension, if they have weakness, what's happening. And so it is an internal exam, which some people find is a barrier, but really it's just like any other muscle in your body. And we really need to know what's happening in there so that we can properly treat it and find out what's going on. So when you, you're, you're an active member of the program. So when you are reading comments and you hear people talking, I'm peeing every 30 minutes, it's brutal. Even if I don't drink anything, I'm still peeing all the time. I never thought it could be my pelvic health. Like how often are you in the group and you're seeing these kinds of comments and you're like, oh my gosh, this is probably this, or it's probably that. All the time. Right. So like a normal amount of peeing per day is like five to eight, right? So okay. that's the number of times that you should be going to the washroom a day. And the biggest thing really is that as we're drinking more water, sometimes that can fluctuate. But you want to make sure that when you are going to the washroom, that it's not like a three second pee or it's just a little dribble, right? Because that's an indication that there's something else going on. Your okay. core muscles could be really tight and they're sending this signal to your bladder that you need to pee more often even though you might not, like there's not a real indication of what's happening in your bladder itself. And so there can be a ton of different reasons for that. Um, and we can chat about that, but yeah, it's very common. It's a very common issue. I think it's one in three women, one in nine men suffer from incontinence. Um, and only one in 12 really seek help because they're either embarrassed by the problem or they don't know that there's anything that can be done about it. Right. 
Well, talk about incontinence. When I sneeze hard or cough, I pee a little or laugh. And I think as women, we blow this off. Well, we had children. That's what it is. It's just how it's always going to be. Um, what like is what is that about? So, yeah, again, it's this common misconception in our culture, right? That, you know, as soon as I have a baby, I guess I'm not going to be able to sneeze or I can't jump on a trampoline without peeing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's because it's so common, but it's really not normal. And it's honestly quite easy to fix. And so there's a couple different types of incontinence. So stress urinary incontinence, that would be what we're talking about. Increase abdominal pressure through like a cough, sneeze, uh, jump, you know, you're exercising, you go for a run and you're peeing. That's stress urinary incontinence, which could be either pelvic tension or weakness in those muscles. And does that happen with both men and women? Like, does it happen with men as well as women? It can happen with men. It's a little more linked to, it could be prostatitis, like a prostate issue after prostatectomy, like um, if they have prostate cancer. But we do, I see younger men as well who have pelvic tension that's caused by like low back pain that's unresolved. Stress can really increase tension in our pelvic floors that can affect our urine function and those types of things. But it is a little more common in women. Who knew this conversation was going to be so interesting? (laughs) (laughs) And then there's urinary urge incontinence as well. So that is when you get this strong urge to pee out of nowhere and you're rushing to the washroom and you don't make it in time. And that's also really common. But again, it's not a weakness issue most of the time. Most of the time, it's this tension that has built up. And so your body is getting this wrong signal that this is such an urgent, urgent situation. And you, you should run to the bathroom, even though there might not be anything there when you get there. This seems really flawed. Like, how come so many of us are dealing with these issues? Is it because we're sitting all day? Is it because we live stressful lives? Like, what, what, what's the cause behind this other than the obvious with women childbirth that we blow it off of? Yeah, so I think it's a, a combination of a bunch of issues and just the nature of these muscles. So they attach in your pelvis and they can't be stretched out like we would stretch out our neck or our legs. So this tension just kind of builds and it can be stress for sure sitting like inactivity right you're not moving around like you normally would um and or surgical intervention childbirth and all of these things kind of compound which is why it seems like as you get older this is a bigger problem when that's not really the case it's not an age factor it's just that it's been a longer time with all of these things kind of compounding that's creating more of an issue so I see this comment here. I had a pelvic therapist tell me to drink more water to help with incontinence before I started the program. She said that the bladder got more irritated without enough water. Found it really hard to believe at the time, but man, she was right. Another thing women tend to blame on perimen- or menopause, right? So yeah. that's interesting because people will think I'm drinking more water and this is going to be problematic where not drinking enough water is also problematic as well. It's so true. So um, there are all these this list of things that are called bladder irritants, right? That can really irritate the lining of our bladder. And one of the main ones is concentrated urine. So if you're not drinking enough water and your urine is really concentrated, it can really irritate the lining of your bladder so that you're getting the signal. Your body's like, we need to get this out of here. Your urine is really concentrated. So that can increase the urgency, the frequency of going to the washroom and incontinence as well. So it seems counterintuitive that if you're going to drink more water that your incontinence will improve but that is often the case and so you want to make sure that you're hydrated your urine should be kind of like a light pale yellow color kind of like a light lemonade is how we describe it um but there's other things that can affect uh this lining of your bladder as well and can be irritating that would be worth mentioning i think just for people if they are really struggling with urgency and frequency to try and cut a few things out and see if it makes a big difference for them um such as like Coffee, obviously, is, is a bladder irritant. Alcohol, and not that you need to cut these things out, but just to be mindful that to see how it's really affecting like your urinary process. So if you find that you're already peeing 15 times a day and then you add alcohol, like another couple of times is really going to affect how you can function in your day, right? So you mentioned alcohol. What about coffee? Coffee, are they also irritants uh, as well? Yes. Yep, coffee, spicy foods, uh, acidic foods, so like tomato-based products, citrus fruits, that type of thing, Um, and uh, carbonated beverages, artificial sweeteners. These are all things that can really irritate that bladder lining. So just be mindful of like when you're adding them in, did you notice, you know, oh, yeah, I had to pee three extra times after I had that like bubbly or whatever. Even though it seems healthy, it can be irritating to your bladder. 
Okay. So pelvic health encompasses and common issues that men and women experience. Urinary urgency, urinary frequency, nocturia, nocturia. Okay, so nocturia, yeah. This is a good topic because a lot of people, I see a lot of questions about this. I'm waking up three times a night to pee and I'm not getting enough sleep, right? So um, what it's described as is waking up more than once at night to pee. So that's anything more than one is considered not normal, right? So um, if you're waking up more than once at night, it really is disrupting your sleep. It's going to affect how, you know, your body can lose weight, how it can process and, you know, figure out what's happening in your body altogether. It's when you rest and repair and regenerate, right? So um, and the causes could be a couple of different things. So it could be pelvic tension. Again, that's sending the signal that you have to pee sooner than you need to increase okay. fluid at bedtime. So if you've gone all day and you haven't drank and then you're chugging water at night, obviously that's an obvious one, but oftentimes it can just be a habit. So, you know, you wake up for a different reason and you think, oh, well, I'll just go to the bathroom now so that I don't have to go when, you know, in an hour when it wakes me up. So if you don't have an urge to go to the bathroom, I really would try to avoid going. Like, don't go unless you feel an urge to go. Um, other things could be diuretics. So if you're taking a diuretic closer to bedtime, that can affect you know how many times you're waking at night. Swelling and edema in your legs. So once you're lying flat, your body is processing all of this fluid in your legs, um, and it can make it so that you have to go to the washroom more at night. So there's different things that we can do. Legs up the wall 30 minutes before bed will kind of get your body to process that before you go to sleep so that once you're laying flat and it's easier for your body to kind of work with gravity to process these fluids that it's happening before you go to bed. So you kind of get that out of the way. Um, and you can talk with your, your family physician or your pharmacist about taking diuretic medications a bit earlier in the day. Sometimes that's possible. Sometimes it's not, but that can be helpful as well. If you're finding you're waking up a lot at night. Okay, so there's a big difference because we talk about how when your body's in detox, that can wake you up. Go, you should be able to get mm-hmm. up, go to the bathroom, and then easily fall back to sleep. And it should go hand in hand with what's happening on the scale. But if you are exactly. finding that you frequently get up two, three times a night to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. that can be a sign that there's some sort of underlying issue there. Yeah, once is considered completely normal. Okay. What about, um, so then we're, we're talking bowel issues, bowel issues. What, like, what mm-hmm. do you mean by bowel issues? We talking diarrhea, constipation, like what, what do you mean? How would you, how would you associate a a bowel issue with a pelvic health issue? So the two are so closely connected um, and connected to urinary issues as well. So um, we see all kinds of different bowel issues. We see people who have IBS, which is obviously super common, and it can be a combination of either constipation or diarrhea or of both. Um, Crohn's and colitis. And again, we're not treating the Crohn's or colitis itself. We're treating kind of these other symptoms that come along with it, right? Pelvic pain, pain with bowel movements, abdominal cramping and bloating, those types of things that, so because you're having pain and issues with the Crohn's, with the colitis, with the IBS, that can really create a lot of tension in your pelvic floor and then lead to more pain. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, a bit of a a cycle that ends up happening. Um, But then there's also just, you know, if you're don't have a diagnosed issue, but it's just you have tension or weakness in these in your pelvic floor muscles, it can create a lot of issues. So if you have tension in your pelvic floor muscles, it can be difficult to fully empty your bowels the way that you should. So, um, you know, when your bowels are really full, you could push past the amount of tension that you have. But as it's going lower, you might not be fully emptying because there's a lot of tension there, right? And so if we can release that tension, you're fully emptying your bowels so that we can kind of break that cycle of constipation. Um, the other things is if you have weakness, it can be difficult to fully empty the bowels as well because you're not pushing effectively, right? Or that coordination is off. The muscles need to be relaxing when you're having a bowel movement and they need to be contracting when you want to stop having a bowel movement. Um, how, do, how, do we know, how do we know we have these weak pelvic muscle issues? So you, you should really be seeing a pelvic floor physiotherapist if you have any of these issues or if you think that um, weakness could be the problem. But honestly, really a lot of the problem is tension. It, I know it seems like it would be obvious that it's weakness, but it would be they're just like muscles anywhere else in your body. So if your arm all of a sudden got weak, like we would be very concerned about that, right? Like it's either a neurological condition or you know, some you had a stroke, something, right? 
Um, and so although there could be weakness there, you don't want to just go ahead and be strengthening, strengthening, strengthening without knowing what's happening in there because you could be making the problem worse. Okay. Oh my gosh. Where do I want to go with this? I do want to touch on, I do want to talk on Kegels and, and you know, what to do to strengthen, but I want to talk about bloating because you mentioned bloating in association mm -hmm. with bowel movements. Like, again, this is like bringing awareness to, I mean, everyday issues that people just live with, right? They, they live feeling bloated. They live feeling, ugh, you know, and now that people are getting in tune to their body's needs and making all these changes, they are feeling bloated. I mean, it is normal to feel bloated right before your weight drops. But again, that should go hand in hand with your weight dropping. So if every day I'm I'm following the program beyond our conversations with Dr. Paul that we've had maybe food sensitivities, um, like your microbiome and, and digestive issues. Um, you know, what, what's normal in terms of bloating with your, with your, with, in terms of pelvic health, or is that tied into digestive issues as well? So yeah, it could be tied into digestive issues, but the two are so closely connected, right? So um, often what we'll see with, with bloating is again, that pelvic floor muscle isn't functioning the way it should. So when your diaphragm drops down to allow like a deep diaphragmatic breath, it forces your pelvic floor muscles to relax as well. And so if we're all doing this kind of upper apical chest breathing, yeah. and you're not really getting that deep, like relaxation of your pelvic floor. So it's not pumping that fluid out of your abdomen. So it just kind of stays stagnant there. So that can cause a lot of bloating. And so working on breath work, doing diaphragmatic breathing before bed can be really helpful. Um, there's an abdominal massage that we do. It's called ILU. Um, it's just like a clockwise. I can, I'll print out some resources at the end, um, some exercises in this massage to give, if you want to post them for people to see like an actual visual of it. Um, yeah. but to try and get that fluid moving out of your pelvis so that it can be processed because most of us, you know, aren't doing any diaphragmatic breathing We're we're doing this like stressy upper chest breathing all the time. Yes. Oh, yeah. so fascinating because we talk about deep breathing. So great for your vagus nerve and your nervous system and calming your body down, but we're not thinking about it being associated to our pelvic health and then running to the bathroom or having constipation issues or bloating issues. Okay. Mind blown. So along mm -hmm. with, you know, going to the gym or walking or whatever, like, do you suggest it be beneficial for everybody to, is it just our lifestyles and the way that we're living? Like, should everybody be doing something for their pelvic health? Yes. So I think so. I think most people have an issue, even if they don't know, and it can kind of manifest as other things, right? Low back pain or hip pain that's unexplained, right? Because these muscles attach out into your hips. So um, doing some regular stretches just for muscles around your pelvis really allow your pelvic floor to focus on what they need to do so that they're not compensating for, you know, if you have weakness or, or tension in your hips or in your back, that type of thing. But a, a regular like breath work, meditation, yoga, find what you actually like to do um, in some way connecting with your breath to really make sure that that pelvic floor is getting stretched and relaxed daily so that this tension isn't just building up over time um, can be really, really helpful. So I'm thinking right now, the fact that we're super stressed and the fact that, you know, a majority of us are just sitting all day long is just really adding to like the issues that people are having. And here we just thought it was because everyone was drinking more water. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the water. Keep drinking your water. If you are sitting for a long period of time, like getting up and doing some stretches can be helpful. Um, really watching your posture can help too. Like if, as soon as you're slouching, your pelvis is going to rotate backwards and that's Yeah. As we're both like here, yeah. it really yeah. will shorten those pelvic floor muscles and you're more likely to have tension. So even doing some pelvic tilts at your desk to kind of lengthen. So when you go into extension, when you arch your low back, that will be kind of pulling your tailbone back, lengthening those pelvic floor muscles. Um, so just being aware of little things like that can be helpful um, so that you're not just building this tension all day long. Okay. Um, God, there's so much to this conversation the, 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 and the questions are just going off like crazy. Um, really? Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about tips then. Yeah. Well, how do you know when you need to see a doctor is when the, when okay. we're doing these tips that you give us and they're not working for us, like what, so yeah, anytime when should we know you have, when should we get an expert? 
anytime you have an issue, right? So if you're having urine leakage, if you're having urgency, if you're having bowel issues, you really should see your family doctor. If you don't have a family doctor, you can see a public floor physiotherapist without a referral from your family physician. Um, and we're really good at kind of parsing out, like, is this something that we can treat or is this something that, you know, needs to be seen by a specialist? Do you need to have a referral to a urologist or a gastroenterologist or a gynecologist, right? There's all these different routes. Um, but yeah, I would say if you have an issue with any of this, you should at least be mentioning it to your to your doctor. If there's something that feels emergent, so like blood in your urine, you know, a prolapse where one of your organs is outside your body, right? Or if you have sudden, like your bladder just empties or it's it's coordinated with low back pain and then all of a sudden your bladder, you lose all bladder control or you can't go to the bathroom. Like those are medical emergencies. You should go to the hospital. But aside from that, yeah. um, it's a good thing to mention to your doctor either way. Um just because they should be in the know of all these things. Like I know it can feel embarrassing or feel like it's not a common thing. It's so common. They probably hear about this all the time. Um, and it's good for them to be on the same page with what's happening. Well, yeah. And, and this goes back to the program, right? Where, you know, people are complaining about, you know, the bowel movement issues, um, constipation issues. So if you had someone who was losing weight, for example, and then like they they were maybe regular bowel movements and then there were losing weight what kind of what, how, what's the impact of weight loss you think that we would it would improve things but i would imagine that's also shifting things for people would it be possible that someone didn't realize they had any pelvic health issues started to lose weight and then all of a sudden found themselves dealing with some of these things so that is possible um oftentimes so if you do have weight to lose that pressure in your abdominal wall can be causing issues with urinary incontinence, like it's putting physical pressure on your bladder, right? So okay. in, in theory, it should be improving things, but it could be that you started exercising more, right? And now you're using these muscles more than you would. And you maybe already had some underlying tension that wasn't really a problem because you weren't really moving around very much. Or okay. now you've changed your diet and you've changed how much you're drinking. And that's kind of bringing up these issues. But the losing weight really should be helping all of these things in the long run. Um, it's a good thing to add to your why of like why you're doing this is that weight loss really can help with urinary urgency and incontinence, but it's not a reason to like, oh, I'm not going to get this checked out till I lose weight. Like I see women of all sizes, men of all sizes, and it can be yeah. fixed before you lose weight, but it's just obviously going to help along the way if there's not that physical pressure on your bladder. Okay. So what do we do if we're, we're peeing all the time? Do you suggest that we like... First of all, I noticed you said, don't, if you don't, like, if you don't have to go, don't go. If you kind of think yes. that you, because we're all taught, like, you know, before you leave the house, go to the bathroom. Like, is that a good thing to do? Like, do, do we put ourselves on a schedule? I have so many questions. What? Okay. So if you don't have an urge to pee, don't go. Unless you're going on like a five hour car ride where you know you're not going to have access to a bathroom, like don't pee before you leave the house. Like that is a bad okay. practice. You're, you're, what you're treating, teaching your bladder is that it needs to empty when there's only a little bit of urine in there, right? And that mm -hmm. becomes a habit. Our mind is really, really powerful in all of this, right? So no one wants to be embarrassed. No one wants to have leakage when they're out in Walmart. And so our mind is aware of that. And so then you start map, like toilet mapping, right? okay, I know I can go pee here at Walmart here. And all of that is really increasing our central nervous systems, like anxiety around the whole situation, which unfortunately makes it worse. So uh, in pelvic physio, we talk about doing a bladder diary. So you could do a bladder diary to see like, how much am I actually peeing? Um, because most people have no idea how many times a day they pee um, and yeah. what's affecting it. So if you want to do it, you can just get your phone or a piece of paper, pick a day when you're going to be home so that you can kind of you know, to track a little more easily, but you're going to write down, okay, 7.02 AM, I peed, count how long it is in seconds. So like 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000. Oh. If it's less than six seconds, you didn't actually have to pee. You got the signal oh. that you had to pee, but you didn't have to pee. <laughs> so yeah, okay. that can be super helpful. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the amount that you're peeing. So for people just tuning in, because I know people are just joining us now, Five to eight times a day would be normal. If you're just yeah. starting to increase your water, you might notice an increase in that, but overall, um, yeah. so less than that, more than that might signal an issue, obviously, you know, urgency um, also as well. But you're talking, so when you go pee, it should be longer mm -hmm. than six seconds. 
Yeah, like if you're okay. going and there's a little dribble there and it felt like your bladder was about to explode, that's a good indication that you're not you're not getting the proper signal from your bladder when it's full, right? It's sending you the signal way too soon and probably way too strongly. And that's just a, a factor of your body trying to protect you. It doesn't want you to have an accident, doesn't want you to have incontinence. So it kind of your central nervous system goes into overdrive trying to protect you, but it becomes a real annoying problem. Um, okay. And so if you're, yeah, go ahead. No, finish your, finish your thought. Yeah. So if you can do this bladder diary, so just write down every time you pee, how long it is in seconds, and then you'll see how many times you're peeing, if you actually had to go at those times, and then what you're drinking beside that. So, you know, a cup of coffee, glass of water. So you can see, oh yeah, after I had a coffee, I had three peas that were three seconds long. Like I could have, I should have amalgamated some of those. And I'm going to talk about how to do that with bladder retraining. Um, okay. But that that's where that's how you can kind of get a good idea and then keep track of leakage if you're having incontinence so that you, again, you can track it to see if it's like something specific that's irritating it or is it just happening randomly. So see what your your pee pattern is. See what the, see what yeah. you're dealing with. The data collection. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So we don't, we don't go, like, it's not good to go if you don't need to go. And then mm-hmm. sometimes you don't want to go if you're not going for long, if you're not going for long, if you're not going for long. Yes, of course. So that is problematic. You don't want to be going if like you don't want to be holding it so that you're in pain. And do you know what I mean? That's not the goal ever. Um, So if you go to the bathroom and you're counting and you get to like 20, you've held it way too long. That's not good for your bladder. Your bladder is just a muscle. So you don't want to be stretching that out. Um, It's just painful. It's not great for your bladder. It's not great for anything. And it's not great for your pelvic floor because it's trying that whole time to like stop you from peeing. Right. It's a pretty stressful situation. So you don't want to be holding it too long either. But oftentimes you get this signal that you're holding it too long when really you're not. And that's where the counting can kind of help to know which is which, because it feels the same. Whether, you know, when you have this urgency, it feels the same, whether your bladder is about to explode and you do have a full bladder or there's two drips in there and it feels like, you know, it's about to explode. Yeah. Well, what is the feeling of leakage? But there's no there isn't none. Like, what is that about when you feel like you have Hmm. to go, but then you sit down and you're you like there's nothing there yes so that's common so um it's often again tension in these muscles so how it works is your bladder fills with urine let's say it fills 75 percent full that would then send a message to your brain that says oh you have to pee you look around you're not near a bathroom so your brain sends a message down to your pelvic floor muscles to contract when that happens your bladder says oh okay it's not time you know she's in the middle of a field there's nowhere to pee so then your bladder would relax And then you just move on. And when you get home, you can pee. But if there's tension in these muscles, then they can't contract to give your bladder that signal. Or if there's weakness, so it could be either, your bladder doesn't get that signal. So it thinks she's on the toilet. It starts to contract. And that's when you're like, oh my gosh, I have to pee. So you're rushing to the washroom. Maybe you make it, maybe you don't. But your bladder and your whole central nervous system sees that as a really stressful event. So it says, oh, we've waited too long. We need to lower that fill line on your bladder so that the next time this doesn't happen. And so then it's sending the same signal the next time, but it's stronger and it's sooner, maybe when your bladder's only half full. And then that kind of continues until it's sending the signal when there's like nothing really in your bladder at all. So 
the thing that you need to do is either release tension in those muscles so that it can send the proper signal, but also you need to retrain your bladder to learn where that fill line is, right? Because right now it's like way down at a quarter full uh, and you're getting the signal that you need to pee when you don't. Okay. I want to, obviously we're going to circle back on, on tips for retraining your bladder, but what about when you go to the bathroom and then you think you're good and then you stand up and you walk away and two seconds later, you're like, Oh shit, I have to, what the fuck? I got to pee again. What is that about? So that's often again, tension in your pelvic floor. So your bladder is here and your urethra is coming down. Your pelvic floor muscles are around that. So if there's tension there, what happens is your bladder's full. There's enough pressure in there to push past the amount of tension that you have in your pelvic floor. But as it gets lower, there's not enough pressure left in your bladder to push past the amount of tension that you likely have. So your bladder isn't fully empty. So you get maybe till you have a little bit left, it stops and you think, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm done. You stand yeah. up, right? And then your pelvic floor muscles relax. And then either, so some urine can get trapped between the bottom of your bladder and where your pelvic floor muscles are. So that could be that post-void dribble. If anyone has like a little dribble of pee on the toilet seat, once they stand up, that's what that is. Or if you feel like you haven't emptied, it's because you haven't, right? So then you sit back down, you've been able to get your pelvic floor muscles to relax. Maybe you can push more out or you can bear down and you know, squeeze the rest of that out, which by the way, is not a good idea to do, but. Oh, um, not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any- <laughs> And I, I understand the feeling. It's very common. Everyone does this, right? It's just you want to really empty it so that you don't have to go again soon. But it's a lot of undue pressure on your pelvic floor. If you really have to push, it's an indication that there's too much tension there. Okay, one more question before we get into what we can do about all of this, because this is a, this is a yeah. lot. Um, so you mentioned the six seconds of pee. It should be at least six mm-hmm. seconds. But what if it, but it's longer, like 20 seconds or or more? Like, you know, when sometimes you pee and then you're just like, what the, I'm still, I'm still peeing. What the hell? What, what is happening? What's with that? So it could be that you've held it for too long at that point, right? Like if, oh. if it's a really long one, if it's not coupled with, um, if it's not coupled with pain or like this really strong urge, then it's probably fine, right? Some Our bladders differ in size. Sometimes you might be able to just hold a little bit more urine. Um, so as long as it's not coupled with pain or anything, like that's okay. Okay. So before we get into strengthening, what can, just to recap on what can weaken your pelvic floor then? Um, so it could be a few things. Again, um, a, a traumatic delivery, right, would really affect the integrity of those muscles, uh, okay. a pelvic surgery. So it could be anything. It could be, um, you know, even a gallbladder removal, something like that. And then inactivity following those things, right, could really affect how your pelvic floor is functioning. Not necessarily weakness, but it could be a combination of weakness and tension. But you always want to deal with the tension before the weakness in the same way that you would with anything else, right? Like if you strained your hamstring muscle, you wouldn't just start running to make it better. You would be stretching things out, getting things moving, and then you would be strengthening things. But if you just start sprinting, like it's not going to get better. Um, Well, you mentioned gallbladder removal. I mean, that just goes Mm -hmm. hand in hand with weight loss, right? So many people have had to get their gallbladder removed because they've been successful at doing those diets and more of a quick fix and losing that weight quite quickly. Okay. So what do we do about all of this? What okay. do, I do with what do we do about it? So, I mean, obviously, uh, it would be great to, for everyone to see a pelvic physiotherapist. I know that it's a barrier because it's not covered by OHIP. Okay. We yeah. have, people are asking, why isn't it covered by OHIP? But Yeah, that would be wonderful. And I really think it should be. It would probably save the healthcare system so much money because then you're not having all of these bladder lift surgeries and prolapse surgeries. All these things are really avoidable. Um, but unfortunately it's not covered. It is covered under, if you have private physiotherapy coverage, it's covered under that just as regular physiotherapy. Um, but really it's important to invest in our health. So I think if you add up all the money that you're spending on, you know, incontinence pads, if you're having incontinence, you know, even if you just saw a pelvic physiotherapist for an assessment, um, it would really help you to figure out what's happening in your pelvic floor so that then they could guide you. There's tons of things that you can do at home. But it's important to know what's actually happening in there first so that you're doing the right thing and you're not doing the wrong thing that can actually really exacerbate the problem. Okay. And then uh, people, since people are asking, because I want to obviously talk, talk about what people can do on their own, but how would they find like a, a pelvic floor physiotherapist? Would they go to their doctor so first? Can- do they- 
Do they just go through? I was going to say the yellow pages. God, I keep showing my age. Uh, <laughs> so you can um, get a referral from your family doctor. Sometimes you need that for your insurance to cover it. Sometimes you don't. It just depends on your insurance company. Um, okay. But you can reach out to someone. You can just Google online who a public physio in your area. And there's also um, a website that's quite helpful. Uh, it's Toronto based. It's where I did my training through. Um, it's called Pelvic Health Solutions. So the website is uh, up on the screen there, www.pelvichealthsolutions.ca. And okay. it will as a feature where you can find a local physiotherapist, like in your area. Okay, great. Okay, so let's get into it. What, what can, and I, <laughs> before we get into it, I had a prolapsed uterus when I, uh, with one of my kids, after I gave birth, my organs were, they were on the outside. It was quite distressing. I couldn't walk for like six months. And I do want to say though, my point was that I was really fit at the time. Like I was exercising all the time. I was like super fit. So I just want to get across like pelvic health isn't just for people who are overweight either. And yes, that can obviously add to it um, and be a cause somewhat of it. But it's also this conversation is also for people who are pretty fit. Like you can be doing all the exercises in the gym and it doesn't mean that your pelvic health uh, is is your pelvic, your pelvis is healthy, I guess. Is that why? Totally. <laughs> yeah, like we see Yep. Is that what you say? Yeah, we see both, like we see both extremes, right? Either you're really pushing yourself to the absolute limit, like doing CrossFit or, you know, uh, long distance running and putting a lot of strain on these muscles and then not dealing with the tension that's there, right? Like we deal with tension in other places in our body, but we just kind of ignore that these muscles are there or we don't know that they're there, right? Um, but it builds up tension like anywhere else and it's just more difficult to release the tension. And that's the internal release part of pelvic physiotherapy. So um that can be helpful but there's things that you can do at home okay so let's get into that what can people do okay so if you do a bladder diary that can be helpful in what we call yeah. bladder retraining so it's a good thing to try and start working on it's if you do have a lot of pelvic tension i mean it would be helpful to see someone to release that but this is great in combination and it might be a bigger part of your problem than the tension it's hard to know right but um, so let's say this is a, there's often triggers for people for this urgency. So let's say you're pulling into your driveway, you're in a car, and then all of a sudden you get this strong urge to pee, right? Your, your brain knows you have access to a bathroom. So it's like, oh, let's send this signal now because she has access yeah. to a bathroom. Yeah. So you pull into your driveway. Oh my gosh, I have to pee so bad. Often we just sprint to the bathroom. Maybe you don't make it. Maybe you pee on your front step. Maybe you make it, but that was stressful. That's really going to affect this urgency going forward. So what you want to do is stop, take a deep breath. You can do a pelvic floor contraction, which we'll talk about in a second, but do a, a contraction of these muscles and then totally relax them as much as you can. And then you want to distract your mind because our mind is a huge, huge part of this, right? Your body's like, you're not going to make it. Go, go, like get your keys. You're, you know, you're going to pee in your car. Like all these things are going through your mind. So if we can quiet the chaos, then we can really get our body to calm down and realize that this isn't really an emergency. Like unless you've held your pee for three hours and you had, you know, three coffees in the car, you should be able to make it from your car to the door because you've just made it on the drive, right? So um, then you want to distract your mind. So you can go on your phone, answer an email, count backwards from 100 by sevens in your head. Um, you can picture yourself on like a nice beach. You can think about what you're going to do when you go inside. I'm going to cut up my veg snack and, you know, have my cheese, what am I going to have with it? Like, think about something else to get that urge to calm down. Once it's calmed down, then you can make a decision. Do I actually have to pee? So did I just pee at Sally's house 10 minutes ago before I left? Like, I probably don't actually have to go. So, you know, once the urge is calm, you should be able to just get out of your car, get your groceries, go inside and kind of move on. If you think, you know, no, I've been out and about and it's been a couple hours and I had a coffee and some water and I probably do have to go. That's great. Don't hold it. Cal calmly stand up walk to the bathroom go pee and count okay how long is this and then it's all information right about how like if you actually need to go but this is really fascinating because it's not people i knew people were going to think like let's just do kegels and exercises this is a big part of your brain because i'm listening there have been times i'm in the car and i'm freaking out because i gotta pee and then all of a sudden i'm like okay just breathe okay you're gonna be fine and then then I don't have to go. And then, you know, Tony's like, do I have to pull over? And I'm like, no, actually, like, I'm, I'm okay now. And like, when you talk about this, and you're going through this, there is so much stress involved. So it's not just 
it's like it's training your brain. It's training your habit, your pee habit and your associations. Oh, my God. This is so fascinating. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it could be other triggers. Like it could be water. You know, you walk by the sink or you're washing dishes and then, oh my gosh, I have to pee. You want to get those to calm down so that you're retraining your bladder that like, I don't actually have to pee that bad right now. Nothing should be that much of an emergency. Wow. I thought you were going to give us like physical tips. That is so huge. That is so huge. Okay. All right. Um, there are some physical things you can do. So we, te- we, you can do Kegels, right? If you actually have weakness, but unless you've had an internal exam from a professional who can assess these muscles, so it could be a public physiotherapist, nurse practitioner, your family doctor, gynecologist, unless you've had them actually checked, I wouldn't be doing Kegels, which I know is like a controversial statement in our society, but why why right like unless like how do you know you're doing it properly how do you know that you even need to strengthen these muscles well, because we read it in cosmopolitan magazine and they told us that we need to do kegels that's that's why we're doing them right so i equate it often to like your neck muscles right there's not off, not many situations where there's weakness there no one's doing like neck crunches trying to make their neck stronger those muscles are holding up your organs all day just like your neck is holding your head up all day they're often as strong as they need to be unless there's been, you know, something that's ha- happened. Um, oftentimes, like your neck, there's tension there that needs to be released first. And then maybe you have a strength issue, but oftentimes you don't. Um, and so doing like 100 Kegels in your car at every stoplight is crazy, um, especially without an assessment. So if you have no idea what's happening in your pelvic floor, I would just say, don't do Kegels. That, you, that would be like a a blanket statement that would be helpful if if everyone just honestly stopped doing them unless they knew that they needed to do them and that they were doing them properly like 95 percent of the time when i'm doing an internal exam on someone and i have them do what they think is a kegel it's not a kegel it's you know they're squeezing their butt and they're squeezing their abdomen and they're using all of these other muscles um and way overdoing it so you're causing you know way more tension than than is even helpful And I mean, if the Kegels worked, they would have worked by now. Like if you think you're doing it and you're doing it all the time and you're still having urinary issues, like that's obviously not the problem. (laughs) I was just walking around with really tight asses. They're squeezing our ass muscles and that. (laughs) Totally. And so no one should be able to tell. So we'll go through how to do a proper Kegel. But again, this isn't really like, I can't feel what's happening inside your body. So it's impossible to know if you're doing it properly, but I'll show people, I'm going to explain it so that you can try. And then really, honestly, more so, so that you can do it and then relax those muscles. Because most of us, right, we're stressed out. We're holding all of this tension in these pelvic floor muscles. So it's good to do a check-in through the day. Okay. Am I holding tension? Do a contraction so that you can locate those muscles and then do a re- what's called a reverse kegel so like relax those muscles down they don't need to be on okay. all day are you okay, going to teach so this, this right now yeah sure. okay yeah so men and women right can both do okay. this you can picture either a ping pong ball at the opening of your vagina or you can picture a marble at the opening of your rectum okay and you want to think about pulling that up inside yourself like an elevator okay no one should be able to tell that you're doing anything your body shouldn't you should but yeah, you shouldn't be holding your breath, right? So you oh. want to be, yeah, hold for five seconds. And then you want to relax those muscles as if you were going to the bathroom. Like if you were about to pee, that's what has to happen, right? Um, you can think about stopping your pee midstream, although I do not want anyone to do that while they're actually peeing because it's not great for your bladder. It's not great for your pelvic floor. It's a misconception that you should all try and stop your pee midstream. Like, don't do that. Uh, your pelvic floor and your bladder work in opposition. So when when your bladder is contracting, when you're peeing, your pelvic floor should be relaxed. So if all of a sudden you contract it, your bladder's like, oh my gosh, what? Why are you stopping this right now? Midstream, it's not a normal thing to do. So, but if you think about, okay, I'm peeing and I need to stop my pee midstream, that will contract your pelvic floor muscles, okay? That's what you should be doing. Um, So yeah, that's how you do a Kegel. I wouldn't do them a hundred at a time. There's just really no need. Don't insert 
balls vaginally, trying to hold those up. Like it doesn't need to be that strong. It just needs to be able to hold up your organs and stop your pee. That's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I get that question all the time. So it's just, they don't need to be able to lift anything. They just you don't... need to be able to hold your organs, stop your pee. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the diaphragmatic breathing it can also be so helpful. So middle of the day, end of the day, one hand on your abdomen, one hand on your upper chest. You want to breathe in through your nose. So like a four second breath in through your nose. This upper hand shouldn't move. Your abdominal hand oh. should be raising. So deep breath in. Don't let your chest move. Belly should be going out as if you're filling up a big balloon. And then breathe out through your mouth for six seconds. So a longer breath as your abdominal hand is lowering. Five to 10 breaths at night, five to 10 breaths in the middle of the day can really make sure that you're not just like holding all of this tension in your pelvic floor. Yeah, because if people are doing this and they're just, then you know you really yeah. got to pop no. because that's yes. just how you're, you're, you're never getting deep breaths. At, at, no, just and if, you're, if your diaphragm is really dropping down to allow the bottom part of your lungs to expand, your abdomen should be coming out. But we're taught to kind of like squeeze everything in and don't let your abdomen relax. But you really want your belly to be coming out, a big belly breath with this in inhalation, with the diaphragm. Yeah, because we're used to walking around with our stomachs stuck, sucked in. And then we can't mm -hmm. breathe. And then we're doing our kegels all the time. So we're just going. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. We're creating a lot of tension. <laughs> okay, what else, Erin? I'm just cognizant of the time. Um, what else? Yeah, what else there's, there was good questions um, that some people had asked. Um, we didn't really talk a lot about prolapse, but, but I can touch on it quickly. There's a question, pelvic floor prolapse, is there hope for improvement and what can be done to stop symptoms from worsening? So there is for sure hope for prolapse. So I totally was going to have surgery and it was back in the time where they did that mesh thing. And thank God I didn't because there was so many problems with that. They put this mesh thing up inside you. And uh, yeah. instead, I just, I mean, it took me a while, but I did all the exercises and I was working with a, um, a physio person. And so there, I, I could attest that there was hope because my like, it was like hanging on the outside. After I gave birth, I was like, mom, can you like look at this? Because this is not, this doesn't look normal. And it wasn't. Yeah. So th there's a lot of hope. Anyway, that's just my own personal yeah. TMI experience. No, there is hope. And I think it can feel hopeless, right? And it can really yeah. impede you wanting to exercise because as you're walking, it, it can kind of fall deeper into your pelvis and that can be more uncomfortable, right? Or yeah. you don't want to have sex. Like there's all these barriers that it creates, but there's for sure hope. So the if you can get it early, right? So if you feel any heaviness vaginally, I would see a pelvic floor physiotherapist, but there's other things you can be doing. Our, our culture is like rush, 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 go, go, go. We need to take time to rest, right? So if you feel this heaviness in your pelvis, by like midday, go and lay down, put your legs up the wall, allow your pelvic floor to relax, allow those organs to kind of come back. Um, and I mean, the biggest, the time when it starts is like you said, postpartum, you know, you yeah. just had your baby, you should be laying down, allowing these muscles to relax. Instead, you're like cleaning your house and making food for everybody, right? And so it's so much pressure on these muscles that have just been through everything so that then they yeah. can't really support the organs the way that they should be. They act as like a sling to hold up these organs, but that can really yeah. you know, affect things. So all of the things that we talked about, you know, these reverse Kegels and, you know, really making sure that these muscles are functioning the way they, they should. It could be a strength problem as well, right? Like, or an endurance issue that they're by the end of the day, by the end of a walk that they're kind of failing. And that's when you're seeing anything. Um, but don't freak out. If you see something vaginally, it's not that your bladder itself is falling out of your vagina. It's your bladder falling into your vaginal wall. And that bulge that you see externally is the inside of your vaginal wall. I mean, it's still scary, but it's not like an, a medical emergency where something is going to actually fall out of your body. Um, but take note of it. Mention it to your doctor. There's things that can be done with a pelvic physiotherapist. And if if it's at a point where you don't want to have surgery, but you really, it's affecting you. You feel it when you're working out. You feel it when you're walking. You can have a pessary, which is like a silicone ring or a cube that you can insert vaginally to kind of hold open that vaginal wall. Um, that can often be very, very helpful. 
Man, um, we could totally, I mean, we haven't even got into so many things. Um, there was, there was someone talking about avoiding sex, avoiding dating or meeting mm -hmm. anyone because of this reason. Um, been peeing my pants since I had a, a 10 pound baby naturally 15 years ago. Doctor says it's physical and neurological. Like there's, there's so many, there's so many things we can get into and explore. We definitely, okay. The, we have to have you back. Yeah. There's so many questions. I'm happy. Like if people have questions, I can answer them. Um, on my Instagram, like I'm happy to help all the questions that were listed in the Facebook support group. I can go in there and answer questions personally. If people have questions or feel free to message me, um, I'm always happy to help because I know this isn't something that's accessible for everybody, um, but it, yeah. it really is worth it. Like, obviously, this is what I do, so I'm biased, but like it is actually like very effective treatment. All of this stuff is fixable. You don't have to live your life having incontinence or having pain with intercourse or having prolapse or, you know, dealing with these issues. Like it's all fixable yeah. stuff. Um, and yeah. just, you know, women are tend to be a little little more um accepting of like incontinence but it's not something that, that you have to live with yeah it's like it's become a joke and a meme laughing while i pee my mm -hmm. pants it's just how it is you have a baby it's life suck it up buttercup and we we don't have to be living with that i i saw someone's comment here about you need to tell the doctor it's affecting your quality of life like I can't leave yeah. my house. I can't date. I can't this. And so uh, we're definitely going to have you back. Thank you so much. Um, I know you're on Instagram. A lot of our living losers follow you over there. Squats and Margs. So squats dot and Margs over on Instagram. It's not your pelvic health account, but you do, you are a living loser and you do some, you do share a lot of inspiring tips and fun recipes and, and whatnot. Um, we're going to put your details. Uh, what was that one last time, the website that you said that people could, um, uh, can help them find, uh, someone. Yeah. What was that? It's, uh, pelvichealthsolutions.ca. Okay. All in word. Great. .ca. Great resources there. Okay. Um, I don't want this conversation to end, but we got to go. Um, it's I, again, everyone just thought, like, who knew? I mean, you knew, you knew. And I guess I knew too, because I asked you to come on and talk about it, but I didn't really understand to the full extent how important this conversation was going to be. So, uh, Aaron, thanks so much, uh, for joining me today, everyone else. Uh, thanks for, um, thanks for all your comments and your questions and whatnot. Um, we're all going to go out there and not do our Kegel exercises, or if we are doing them, we're going to make sure we do them properly. And we're going to be mindful if we're peeing our pants and maybe it's not because we're drinking too much water or, you know, getting up in the middle of the night three or four times, there could be an underlying issue there. So that's what I love about our guests is that bringing this awareness to keep people informed, you know, it's so empowering to know what you can do about these things and how to reach out for help. So thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com